You are listening to Package Your Genius, a conversation designed to give you clarity on your calling and serve as a catalyst for your career. I'm your host, Amanda Miller Littlejohn. Welcome back to another episode of Package Your Genius. So I am doing somewhat of a series on how to essentially package your genius. So for the last couple of days, I've been going through the five-step process I detail in my book, Package Your Genius. So today I want to talk about step three in that process. Over the last two days, I've talked about step one, which is get clear on your brand, and step two, make the case. Step three in that process is define your big ideas. So I'm gonna share the introduction to that section from the book, and then I wanna give you some ideas on how you can uncover your big ideas and then set out on the process to packaging them to build your personal brand. So here we go. Shortly after I graduated from college, I wrote an article that changed my life. I remember taking my first Apple laptop with me to the newly opened Starbucks on U Street in Washington and sitting down to write. At the time, U Street and the whole District of Columbia was transforming. The thoroughfare, which had once been affectionately referred to as Black Broadway, was changing before my eyes. I noticed that in the midst of constructing new condominiums, a beautiful mural of Duke Ellington had been taken down. And the fact that the new condos building was going to be named the Ellington was more than I could take. Fueled by Starbucks, lattes, and my youthful exuberance, I hammered out an essay on U Street, Duke Ellington, and my complicated feelings about gentrification. It was not lost on me that I was enjoying the first harbinger of gentrification on the block, a brand new Starbucks store, while simultaneously missing a relic of the neighborhood's past. I wrote the essay and emailed the book editor at the Washington Post. I only had her information because I was, she was my former English professor's sister. And some months before, she'd agreed to meet me for an informational interview. She sent my essay to the editor of the Outlook section who agreed to take a look. Fast forward about a month later, that essay was published in the Sunday issue of the Washington Post, setting off a series of very fortunate events for me. I had never published anything before, so to have my first piece published in the Post was huge. I didn't have a website, and there was no Twitter at the time. I only had an email address, which was included with my byline. I had never received so many emails prior to that article's publication. Seeing the response to my writing was exhilarating and it pushed me to seek out other opportunities to fill that same euphoria. I got serious about freelancing and with my one precious clip in hand, I pounded the pavement to find other opportunities to write and publish. I scored two freelance reporting gigs at small local newspapers and proceeded to build up my writing clips. Once I had enough good stories, I submitted them for a journalism fellowship at Northwestern University's Medill School, a fellowship I had previously 
been rejected for. But this time, I was accepted. I got the fellowship, spent a glorious summer writing in Chicago, then came back to D.C. and began writing for the Washington City paper. I saw myself following in the footsteps of my two writing idols at the time, Kate Boo and Ta-Nehisi Coates, who had also once been staff writers there. Things were going well until I lost my newspaper job at the beginning of the Great Recession. Luckily for me, I never lost my desire to write. I flipped journalism into communications and used my writing skills to help nonprofits and small businesses tell their stories. I craved my own creative outlet, so I started writing a blog. The internet was heating up and big publications like the Washington Post were no longer the only way to publish one's ideas. So I blogged about working in communications after journalism, how social media seemed like it was going to be a big thing. (laughs) Imagine that. And what I was learning about online tools. As a new mom who didn't get out much, I made friends online and connected with other communications colleagues. I shared my journey and shared what I was learning through my blog. And just by sharing, I inadvertently became a teacher and built a personal brand in the process. Looking back, I owe my business and my brand to writing. What started as a fortuitous post in a national publication fueled an entire business. I wouldn't be where I am today without the ability to publish my ideas whenever I choose. And it wouldn't be nearly as easy for my clients to find me online. I am so grateful. The same can be true for you. Whether you just write the first five posts for your company blog or start sharing your ideas more regularly on LinkedIn, the resulting body of work can establish your brand securely within your topic of expertise. When people research you and find your ideas, they'll know you're the real deal. Keep this, keep this in mind. Okay, so that again is an excerpt from the book, Package Your Genius, Five Steps to Build Your Most Powerful Personal Brand. That was the introduction to section three, step three, define your big ideas. And I wanted to talk a little bit about a few ways that you can approach the process of excavating your big ideas. What do you have to say? What can you write about? What can you create content around? Um, It's easy to say that you should be writing or you should be speaking or you should be creating podcast episodes for your audience. But I think it's a different thing entirely to figure out what exactly the content will be that you will put on all of those platforms. And that's one of the things I'm extremely passionate about helping people figure out, right? Like, I think we all know we should be publishing or we should be creating um, a way for people to consume our ideas so they can get to know us and understand what we do and who we are and if working together may be a good fit. But it's not always crystal clear what exactly we have to say, which is what I want to help you with today. So I want to share a couple of ways that you can get to some of your thought leadership topics, some of your big ideas, the things that you can hinge your personal brand and reputation upon, especially when we're thinking about 
the internet and what is out there online? What is your digital presence really comprised of? So one way that you can think through your big ideas is to look at what irritates you or aggravates you. And I recently shared this during a presentation I was giving when I was talking about how to find the messages that you want to share. And uh, one of the people in attendance thanked me for sharing that what aggravates you and irritates you can really be a great jumping off point for content because we often just think about the things that make us happy and the things we're excited about. And we ignore some of the things on that other side, right? The things that irritate us or make us mad or that we really get exercised about. And so if you have big topics, things in the news, big issues, the environment, abortion, whatever it is you are passionate about, and if that is tied to the work that you do and the work that you want to sell to others, you can actually start talking about those things and be polarizing. It's completely fine. And I think in terms of writing, one of the best ways to go about sharing a dissenting opinion or sharing your passion around something that bothers you is by writing an op-ed. In our PR program, Maximum Exposure, we have a weekly media guest come and talk to our group about how they can get their ideas in front of specific media outlets. And in the month of April, I think it was, we had an editor from the New York Times opinion page who essentially is responsible for publishing and shepherding op-eds from start to finish. So she was talking about the different things you need to be thinking about to hit a home run when it comes to pitching your op-ed. And one of those things is to have a clear point of view. You have to take a stand. And so if there's something that really bothers you that you feel extremely passionate about, and again, it's tied to who you are and the work that you do, don't shy away from those feelings. That could be really a great basis for the start of an op-ed, which you can pitch to a major newspaper. Another thing you can do to find your big ideas is to look at the problems you solve. And this actually used to be my go-to format in terms of thinking of both media pitches and thought leadership writing topics was to think through what problems am I solving for my clients and how do I turn that into content that can serve more people. And it's one of the easiest things I think to identify because you're already solving problems at work or in your business, it's just a matter of kind of separating them and figuring out, okay, what is the problem at the core of this work that I'm doing? And how can I extract the most universal element of this problem that a lot of people need? So especially if it's a really specific thing I'm doing for this client, what is the universal challenge or problem that our work is solving when we work together, right? And so for me, especially in the early days of me figuring out how to share content around what I did, a lot of that stuff focused on visibility, social media, how to communicate, 
how to get your ideas out there, how to package your ideas in a way that makes them easier to promote, right? Because that is what I was helping my clients with. And so essentially, I took the very challenges I was solving for clients and created kind of like how to posts and content to help more people who may be struggling with that same thing. Now, obviously, they're not going to get the amount of detail that I go into with my paying clients, but they get a lot of information and it also shows them how I think and how I process. And if that resonates with them and they want to go deeper and they can't do it alone, they know where to find me. So the third thing you can look at is your existing content. So if you are already creating content in one medium, so for example, you speak a lot or you write a lot, or you host a podcast or do YouTube videos, how can you turn your existing content into a new format where more people can essentially experience it? So for example, if you speak a lot, can you turn your deck into a book? I have clients who do a ton of speaking, but they don't have a book yet. And so to me, the logical next step of speaking is to essentially expand upon whatever training or talk you're delivering when you go and meet with clients and talk to big groups. How do you create a version of that that has more detail, has more nuance, maybe includes case studies or voices from the field, voices from people who have actually gone through whatever it is you're teaching and training, or maybe your own personal story is woven into the content to humanize it and make it a more interesting read. But you can absolutely start with a PowerPoint or keynote deck, whatever you use to create your content for your presentations, that might be a great book. And vice versa, the same applies. Can you turn your book into a talk? Can you turn the articles, blog posts that you've written into a talk? Uh, Can you turn your blog posts into podcast episodes? Can you turn your, your speaking engagement content into podcast episodes? So look at the content that you're already creating because you're likely closer than you think to dominating in a whole other medium. Fourth, I want you to think through what inspired you to first start doing the work that you do now. So if you look back on the first time you offered the service, even if it wasn't a service and you were simply helping people for free, you were maybe supporting family members or someone close to you, maybe this was one of your early jobs and you just discovered a talent that you had. Is there a personal story in there that may be compelling enough to expand into a larger piece of content? It may be one podcast episode or one article that you could pitch to a major website to get yourself some visibility, but essentially thinking back to when you first started doing the work that you're passionate about doing is a great beginning point for a big idea because it talks about your origin, your origin story in terms of your brand, right? And your genius. Um, When you think about your beginnings, there's typically a moment, a spark, or where a seed was planted and you realize that this is what you wanted to do. And people get excited when they get to hear where you started. 
and what makes you tick and what lit that fire under you to do the work that you're doing today. And then last, I want you to think about the audience that you serve. And this is kind of a different way to look at when you first started doing your work. If that's tough for you to figure out and isolate that origin story, think about the audience that you serve, right? So for example, maybe you serve single moms who want to start business. I want you to think back to the very first single mom that you experienced who wanted to start a business. Maybe it was your mom, right? So maybe this is a memory from childhood and you always wanted to support people who remind you of that person. That is a fabulous starting point to a big idea. For me, I talk a lot about my dad and how he was one of the first people who embodied that avatar of high achiever who is flying under the radar because they lack the skills to make themselves visible, but they have these amazing talents, you know, genius level insights, skills that are rare and deep, and they've been working to hone for years. But when it comes time to kind of cash in on all that experience, they're at a loss because they don't understand how to market themselves. That was my dad, and I wasn't able to help him. This was pre-internet, pre-social media. Well, it wasn't pre-internet. It wasn't that long ago, but it was pre-social media when our networks weren't as developed as they are now. And watching him go through that experience of having lots of talents and being extremely smart, but still not being able to get his business off the ground was very painful. And it seemed unjust to me and it made me mad. It made me upset because he had amazing gifts and great talents to share with others, but he couldn't connect because he didn't do the marketing piece. And so I think that stuck with me and it really was wedged in my brain and that person has really, he's become, he's come to, to embody the high achievers that I support today on some level. And so when you think about the audience that is drawn to you or that you're drawn to serve, I want you to try to think about the first person who fits that description in your life. And if you're like me, you may not even be aware that the first person who you experienced really planted that seed. It took me years. I was doing what I'm doing now for years before I realized that I was chasing my dad. I was chasing the experience of trying to support him and help him. It, it didn't occur to me until I think I was doing this work and I might have even challenged someone to to think through this question. And I thought through it myself and realized that that was the beginning. That's where it all started. So um, I'm going to go back through those questions because I know they were um, quite a few of them and you may have gotten lost. So again, how do you know what you have to say? One, look at what irritates you or aggravates you. Number two, uh, look at the problems you solve. Three, look at your existing content and see how you can flip it for a new medium. Four, look at when you first started doing what you do. What inspired you to start? What stories do you have? And five, 
what audience do you serve and who is the person the first person who kind of represents that audience and what do you remember about them and did you help them did you want to help them but couldn't what does that bring up for you and now I want to share a couple of ways to just first start outlining whatever the content is, whether it is a book or a podcast series. So maybe you decided that you want to start a podcast. And if you've heard me talk about podcasting on any previous episodes, you'll know that I'm a big fan of thinking in capsules. So can you create a capsule podcast where you set out to only record 10 or 12 episodes and you decide on those topics up front you record them you release them and then you decide whether or not this is something you want to continue doing Um, and if you don't want to continue doing it at the very least you have this body of work that you can point your potential clients to or it's out there creating SEO for you it's out there where people can find it in search and and get up to speed on you quickly before reaching out to work with you. But if you do decide to keep going and this is a part of your regular life and how you connect with your audience, that's fine too. But I like having an idea of where I'm going. I like having a beginning and an end point. As you recall, I'm an activator and we activators like short-term projects that we know we can complete and kind of put a check mark on it and say, I did that. Now, if I want to keep going, I can, but if I want to stop here, that's perfectly fine too. So make a list of um, your best advice. That's the first way that you can outline your book or your podcast or whatever you are setting out to create. Make a list of your best advice, right? So if you have things that you always tell people, what are some of those advice points, those could be chapters, those could be episodes. You could also, number two, make a list of your frequently asked questions. So what are your FAQs? If people are always coming to you with specific questions and challenges, creating an outline just based off of those FAQs could be the outline for the book or the outline for this capsule podcast idea that I just mentioned. Number three, make a list of the people you'd love to interview. So again, if you are speaking a lot and maybe your content is very technical, a way to humanize that is to bring individual voices into it that can illustrate the technical principles that you share, right? And so for me, I may want to talk about the technicality of PR and pitching the media, but instead of just giving you a manual on how to pitch the media, maybe I find 10 or 12 people who I think have done a great job of landing press for their personal brands. I interview them to share how they did it. And boom, there's a book or boom, there's a podcast series, right? So make a list of the people you'd love to interview. And fourth, make a list of your best results. So If you have gotten great results for your clients, for the people that work in your industry, make a list of those best results and then can you create case studies around them? Those case studies could be book chapters to illustrate what you do and how you help people or to to teach your principle um, through a character, right? So if you have a case study 
the client will become the the protagonist and it's essentially telling a story of how to solve this problem without simply saying do step one step two step three step four it makes it a little more interesting and people like to relate to uh case study protagonists because it's like okay she has a problem I had so I'm going to read this and maybe apply this same advice to my situation. So you can think through the case studies that um, that you have essentially created results for and make those case studies chapters for your book or episodes of your podcast or even the basis for a big talk or training that you're going to do. Presentation. I I remember doing a great presentation that brought down the house, and essentially all I did was went and found case. These weren't even my case studies too. I just found examples of people who were doing social media really well in the arts world, and then I just taught a training on what we could learn from the examples that I found, and it was really powerful. People loved it, and I actually got a ton of clients out of that. So again, in terms of making an outline, because I know people struggle with outlining their big ideas. Like once they decide this is the main topic, what's the meat? What's the meat between the bread, right? So you want to make a list of your FAQs, make a list of your best advice, make a list of the people you love to interview, and then make a list of your best results and the case studies. And once you fill in those lists and actually fill out, okay, here's the topic one, piece of advice one and then you write a you, you give an explanation of that piece of advice there you have a chapter right or there you have a podcast episode so I hope that was helpful when you think about defining your big ideas because I see so many of you who have great ideas but you're not taking the time to sit down and package them for other people to experience and essentially if we want to build our brands it's not enough to just do the work and have one or two people experience it and know that it's great if you really want your brand to get traction other people have to have a way of experiencing it and taking it home with them or doing a deep dive into it or listening or binging or what have you and creating content in this way is a powerful way to do that so i'd love to hear about your big ideas and what you want to explore in your content as i mentioned before the top of the episode I read the intro to step three but you can read the whole book package your genius five steps to build your most powerful personal brand it's on Amazon and there's a companion workshop workbook that's also there so you can check that out if you were intrigued by the reading I did And with that, I will see you tomorrow where we will be talking about making yourself visible. Thanks for listening. I will see you guys.